Thank you, Ben. That, that had to be one of the shortest scripture readings we've had in the last 15 months since we started studying John. So you may be thinking the sermon is also going to be pretty short. And you may be right on that as well. My name is Dan, and I'm on staff primarily overseeing the global footprint of our church around the world. And I need to confess, I love Christmas. Are you with me? Yeah, I can see the sweaters out there. Christmas is a wonderful time. And you can't miss Christmas. I mean, everywhere there's decorations. Even 7-Eleven and Circle K have decorations now. It's a beautiful thing to be around. The Salvation Army, the bell ringers are in front of every grocery store. In Meng Hall in Cal State Fullerton last Sunday, I heard 250 student musicians sing Christmas songs culminating in in the hallelujah chorus. I had friends last night go to the Walt Disney Concert Hall where they had to sing along for the Messiah. You just can't miss Christmas. And Suzanne and I, last week, we watched Scrooge sitting on the couch. And at the end of Scrooge, even the cast and Mr. Scrooge sing, for Christ the Savior is born. You can't miss Christmas. The sights, the sounds... The smells, the tastes, the emotions. Christmas hits all our senses. You can't miss Christmas. Or can you? Santa's in the mall. I saw him. He's in the Brea Mall. Christmas sweaters have made a comeback. Just look down your row. Any Christmas sweaters? We're rocking them today. I can see them from here. Absolutely. Parties in the office and in the neighborhood are on the calendar. Peppermint mocha and gingerbread latte are being offered at Starbucks. Houses just don't have Christmas lights. They have laser shows now. You've seen them. And there's that pile of empty Amazon boxes in the garage. (laughs) You can't miss Christmas. Or can you? Here's the deal. Truth can hide in plain sight. And we can miss Christmas. Whether you've been in the church for a long time or you're a CEO, affectionately Christmas and Easter only, we call you. (laughs) It's okay. You can't. You can miss Christmas. When I walked in, I saw Russ Riggs over there. He's the oldest part of our family, 100 years old uh, this year. Russ, are you there? You want to stand? Give us a wave. Absolutely. He can get out of the chair. Russ began following Jesus Christ when he was seven years old. That's 93 Christmases. But he can miss Christmas. And if you're here for the first time today, you also could miss Christmas. We're in danger. So although Christmas fills our senses and bumps into us everywhere we turn, Christmas can be missed. The best gift of Christmas can be missed. As a kid, I would never miss Christmas. Christmas was great, right? You got out of school. As an adult, you may get one or two days off. (laughs) At Christmas, as a kid, you received gifts. As an adult, I buy gifts. (laughs) It changes. We all have our traditions, and sometimes our memories are more fond than the present of Christmas. 
I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago where we had a tradition of, of, of busting bamboo, they called it. As young teen guys, we would go up into the rainforest and find a stand of bamboo, and, and we would cut ourselves each a piece of bamboo about six feet tall, five or six inches in diameter, nice, good bamboo. We'd hollow it out, and we'd make, make cannons filled with hot kerosene. And we're boys, right? It was wonderful. All night long, you'd be shooting stuff. We all went around without eyebrows. And, and <laughs> Did my mother know that? I don't know. But anyway, we had a lot of fun. Today we're looking at an unlikely passage for Christmas. It's Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to that passage or your app, whatever you got. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. A few months ago, I was sitting in the back with my mom. She sits next to the prayer room so she can go in there to help folks with prayer. And a young man came and sat next to us. And when Darren said, grab the Bible, he grabbed the Bible And when they said John, he looked down the index, found John, got the page number, went to it, and read along with us. So you can do that too. It's a great verse. One sentence, four phrases. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. All right, it starts out with in the fullness of time, which tells us Christmas was not a surprise. The birth of Christ was not a surprise. There was a timing to it. It's not a random event. Someone was waiting for the birth of Christ. Now, the birth of Christ comes in the middle of the story. So let me go back to the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story is is the creator of heaven and earth. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, who decided to create earth and mankind. And when you think how big is the earth, it's big. When you look at the stars, we get on a good night, maybe two or three we can see here in Southern California, but on, on a clear night, maybe a couple thousand. But they say there's 250 billion stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way. When you ask scientists how many galaxies are there, they say over a hundred billion in our universe. And how many universes are, they think there's up to 14. This is a massive place we're in. And the God who created all of that created earth. And he created man and woman, humans, to live on the earth. We read the story in Genesis. And he created them in his image. Something about us like the image of God. Created us with a free will to either worship him or turn our backs on him. And you know the story. From very early on, Adam and Eve turned their backs against God and said, we will do it our own way. And that's not surprising. We look around the world today and everyone wants to do it their way. No one wants to acknowledge any authority. It can be a mess. God in his plan wasn't surprised. And his plan was that he would raise a group of people, a chosen people, who he would bless, who he would speak to, who would bless the rest of the earth. And that was Abraham and the children of Israel. That's Genesis and Exodus. And he taught them how to live. He gave them law of how to to conduct themselves, how to do law, how to do justice, how to do kindness. 
He taught them because of their sin, because of this separation from God, because they turned their backs on God, a penalty needed to be paid. Just like in our courts, you do something wrong, you go in there, they'll tell you, here's what you need to do. You need to go to jail or pay a fine, whatever it is. We understand that. God set up because our sin offended him, there had to be the shedding of blood. There had to be a sacrifice covering our sin so that we could reconnect to God. And so Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy talks about those sacrifices, uh, sacrifice of of goats or or a cow or, or especially a lamb was to be sacrificed to cover our sins. And God set up leaders over his people, judges. So we have the book Joshua and Judges. The people continued to rebel. They asked for a king. So God set up a series of kings. Most of them were bad. We read them in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. We read about the kings. And the people still rebelled. So God raised up prophets. Again, it wasn't a surprise to him. And so prophets during the time of the kings would prophesy and they would say, repent, return to God. So we have all those prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. That's the next book Darren's going to start preaching on in January, just a heads up. And Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All these prophets stood up and said, hey, repent, Turn back to God. He loves you. You can turn from your sin. Do your sacrifices. That was the prophets. But not only did they say repent. Not only did they say hey. Trouble's coming if you don't repent. They also said a Messiah is coming. Someone is coming. Who will pay for the sins of the world. Someone who is going to be the Lamb of God. Who will be the final sacrifice. So that mankind does no longer has to sacrifice. A Messiah is coming. And we see it in Isaiah. Where it says she will come through a young woman. We see it in the book of Micah. Where it talks about Bethlehem is going to be the place that he's going to come from. So when we read in this verse. In the fullness of time. The people had been waiting for something to happen. After Malachi, the last prophet, we have 400 years of silence. There's no prophets. There's silence. No voice from God. 400 years of silence. The people are waiting. And then one night, (laughs) the angels come to shepherds and say, He's here. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The Messiah is here. In the fullness of time, Christ came. Now before we go on to the next phrase, which is the birth, you may be saying, huh, you're taking that from the Bible. And you believe that there is a God. And I do. Well, I don't. How do you know That there is a God. Well, let me just take a few minutes to let you know why I know there is a God and give you three arguments based on three words. Cause, design, and morality. Here's three arguments you can use, you can put in your pocket. First is the cause, or we call it the cosmological argument. Nothing in our universe happens without a cause. For every effect, there is a cause. For light, for heat, for energy, for growth, there is a cause. To have an effect, 
There has to be a cause. You can't get something from nothing. You just can't. There's a humorous story that illustrates this point. God once was approached by a scientist who said, Listen, God, we decided we don't need you anymore. These days, we can clone people, create artificial intelligence, transplant organs, do genetic engineering, create artificial, let's see, create robotic soldiers, and do all sorts of things that used to be considered miraculous. God replied, you don't need me. How about we put that theory to the test? Why don't we have a competition to see who can make a human being, say, a male human being? The scientist agrees, so God declares that they should do it like he did in the good old days, when he created Adam. Fine, says the scientist, as he bends down to scoop up a handful of dirt. Whoa, God says, shaking his head. Not so fast. You get your own dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God created. There is a fact. There was a cause. For every effect, there's a cause. We can't make something from nothing. Another argument we use is design. The teleological argument is the philosophical term for it. It's whenever we see when intelligent design, we know there is an intelligent designer. When we see a deliberate, intentional design, we know there is a deliberate creator. Say, for instance, you're going for your afternoon walk. You do that, don't you? Yeah, we go for our walk, and you see in the grass as you walk uh, in your neighborhood, there's a, a musical instrument, say, say a saxophone. And you look at that, and you wouldn't say, man, how random. How long did this take to, to be made? Where did this come from? It's a ma-. No, you wouldn't say that. You would say, it's a great design. Someone created it. And it's true for art that we look at, or a book, or a toy, or a box from Ikea. Oh, I better not go there. That is random. So, but most things, there is intelligent design. Take, for instance, the human body. In the average human body, there's 37.2 million cells. Now, most of you look average. Some a little more average than others. But about 37.2 million cells. Each cell is a machine that creates, that takes nutrients, creates energy, and that energy does a function. 37.2 million cells. And most of the cells know what they're doing. It's a good thing the olfactory smells, right? There are cells, the one for smell, aren't put in our big toe. No, it's put right above our mouth so we can smell that coffee or that apple pie. It's a great design, not in the big toe. A great design. We have an incredible body and an incredible universe and we go design intelligent design there must be a designer there's another argument the morality argument or the moral argument it says as humans we know right from wrong so there must be a God because if we were just a group of cells with the survival of the fittest there's no need for justice there's no space for justice kindness love mercy survival of the fittest doesn't allow for that because there is morality there must be an absolute moral figure well those are three a little philosophy uh reasons you can start playing with you can look up um because god is a god of reason we're not just guessing there is a god we know there is a god
So when we say in the fullness of time, people were waiting. They were waiting. They knew something was happening. The second phrase, God sent his son, born of a woman. That's the Christmas story. That's the big deal. God entered humanity. God came in the form of his son in a baby to walk the earth amongst us, to live and to breathe. God came down. They'd been waiting 400 years. All of a sudden, Messiah was here. The one who would be the Lamb of God. The one who would be sacrificed so that we would not have to sacrifice. We, by accepting him, could have eternal life. God interrupted history. That's why the angels said in Luke 2, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great news. Behold, a strong word. Look, look up. I'm here. That was a shift in human history when God came in. Max Lucado, a pastor and a writer, wrote a book, God Came Near. And he says this about that moment. That particular moment was like none other. For through that segment of time, a spectacular thing occurred. God became a man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. And he who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God came to earth to live. It was a big deal. That's why we read in John 1.14 where it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen the glory of the only one son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. For unto us a son is born. It was a big deal. I remember an evening 29 years ago, I was in a hospital in West Covina. Suzanne was about ready to give birth to our son. It was in the days when husbands were expected to show up (laughs) and be apart. Now it's common. But I was there doing what I could, doing nothing actually. That's why my wife was giving birth. And I remember as our son was born, Suzanne's mother got so excited, she ran out of the room, ran down the hall, and I heard her screaming, he's here, he's here, into the lobby to share with the rest of the family. Her dad, who was a colonel in the Marines, he was sleeping on the floor at the time, where he could sleep anywhere, but the voice was, he's here, he's here. The excitement, that's the excitement that they felt. You shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us is what that means. God sent his son. The third phrase, born under the law to redeem those under the law. This gets to the purpose of Christmas. It's not just a big deal that he was born, born of a virgin, born with a thousand prophecies indicating where it would be. But there was a purpose. You see that story of mankind where we got to the place where we have sinned We need a savior. We can't do it ourselves. 
We can't pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We can't live perfectly. We can't wash ourselves off to be good enough for God. We need a savior. We need someone else. Remind me of the story of a, a scientist who had a chauffeur and, and they were driving around a lot because the scientist was giving lectures all over. And as he would give lectures, the, the chauffeur one day said, you know, I've heard this so many times I could give the lecture. And the scientist said, okay, let's try it. So the scientist put on the chauffeur's cap. He drove up to the place. The chauffeur got up, gave the whole lecture word perfect. He didn't realize the moderator was going to say, now are there any questions? So someone asked a question, and the chauffeur didn't miss a beat and just looked at the person and said, that is such a simple question, I'll have my chauffeur answer that. (laughs) He knew enough to know that he needed help. We needed a Savior. And we have a Savior. We are offered a Savior. We are given new life in Christ. Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the way. I can give you new life. I can make you a new self. I've given you a new commandment. I'll put a new word on your mouth. God is making us new. He doesn't just redo us. He gives us a new spirit. We're completely new. In October, I went with a group from our church to help launch a church in Kenya with Josh Mwago, who was on staff here. I think there's a picture of him up there. Josh was there. We were launching the church. That's a piece of land that he was going to build a church on in October. The next picture shows the church. It's already built. It's a church that holds 300 people. He's doing great. And on that launch that went probably four or five hours, multiple sermons, I gave one. A lot of singing, a lot of dancing, African style. We talked about God is doing a new thing here in this movement. And God is doing a new thing in us. And we proclaim the, the, the gospel message. And after uh, the eating and everything went on, we were running errands all late into the night and we got back around to the property where this is rented. And, and as we got out of the car to pick up some goods, an older man came running out of the dark right up to me, looked right in my face and he said, I am new. Well, I recognized him. He was the owner of the property. I also realized he was drunk. <laughs> so we talked a little bit. We came back around the next day, talked to him again. And Josh told me just this past week, he's completely sober. He's choosing to follow Jesus because something new had happened in him. God makes us new. The message of Christmas is more than just a baby in a manger. But we have a relationship with God. It's a gift from God. We have in our church a a group called MIT, Missionaries in Training. Our church has been like, like a missionary machine for the last uh, decade, few 60 years. Um, we have 61 missionaries overseas right now, all from our church and hundreds over the years. And in this MIT group about mm, seven years ago, John and Cinta Shu were part of our church. We're, we're wanting to be missionaries. I have a photo of them. John and Cinta. John had lost his, his first wife to death and was in a tough place and he was... Mm. He was on a bridge in Long Beach, going to jump one night. And God met him in a wonderful way. He came back to God. 
He married Sinta. They were part of our church. And they were from originally Indonesia, and they felt God leading them back to this island in Indonesia to minister. So they were part of the group, but right before they left, Sinta had renal failure. Her kidneys gave out. She was on dialysis, no hope except for a transplant. Also in the MIT group was Ty and Heather Hode. You may have known them, a young family. They were going to go to Mozambique Island. That's at the end of the world and take a left. You know, this is an island, heavily Muslim, difficult place. And as they were praying about Sinta and what to do, everyone was getting tested to see if they were a match. And it found out that Heather was a match. And Heather, as a friend, didn't think twice, said, I'll give you one of my kidneys. So Heather did. Went under the knife, gave a kidney to Sinta. Today, they're both on the mission field. It's a great story of a gift. John is, yeah, absolutely. John and Sinta are in Indonesia. They've built, I think, 50 homes for underprivileged folks. They have a great ministry, even under much persecution. Ty and Heather are on Mozambique Island, a very difficult place uh, because of the Islamic nature and, and the religion. But they're both being faithful. It just reminded me a gift that God has given us. Heather gave a gift to Sinta. God has given us a gift, a gift of eternal life. The last phrase, that we might receive adoption to sons. That's our gift this Christmas. God not only came into earth, sent his son, he offers up a gift to be sons of God. We get to be children of God. When we're stimulated by what we see at Christmas, let's remember we are children of God. That is what could be missing at Christmas. The realization, the reminder that we are a part of God's family. As I travel around the world and meet other believers, immediately we're a part of the family. There's something mystical that happens because we are believers together. When we gather together on a Sunday morning, the scripture says we are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. That is so mystical. But together, we are the body of Christ. It's a wonderful thing. About 30 years ago, Matt Arnold lived behind 7-Eleven, young high school student, and he was invited to our high school group where he came and he found Christ and went on a short-term mission, decided I'm going to commit my life to Christ. And so he did, and he, he, he wanted to be a missionary, and he wanted to go to a place where no one had ever heard the gospel, kind of like the Apostle Paul. So he went to training, met his wife, Star, and, and together they went to the Tepewan people way in the highlands of central Mexico. People who had, don't have the New Testament had never heard the gospel. I remember going with a group about 10 years ago, flying in a small plane between the mountains, landing on a riverbed, and, and meeting them, and talking with them, and they introduced me to the first Tepewan believer, ever. And there was an immediate connection. This past week, Matt and Starr were back there in that region, and they dedicated the New Testament. It's finished. And they were handing them out to the believers there. There's a connection when we're part of the family of God. There's something beautiful that God has given us in the birth of Christ and his life. Something we don't want to take for granted. It's a powerful thing. It's family. It's awesome. 
It's a good thing. We don't want to miss Christmas. I got another great story, but I'm going to cry, and I don't want to cry. So I'm going to take a drink of water, pretend I'm not. Uh, uh, I think it was quite a few decades ago that Suzanne and I came to the church. <clears throat> now, we were part of New Community, a great class, and one of the <clears throat> couples in that class was Greg and Terry Thiessen. You may know him. He's sitting in the back in a wheelchair. They're good friends. Greg contracted ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, quite a while ago. He's outlived what he should. He has forced air in him. Great spirit. And a few Sundays, uh, a couple months ago, I was sitting in the back again with my mom, and communion came by. Just it's the best reminder of we're a family. And I saw Terry take some bread. She took Greg's mask off, gave him some bread. He tried to chew it without choking. When the cup came, she took the cup and poured some down his throat, and he swallowed it tough. And I just thought, what a precious thing we have as a family. We get to gather to worship the creator of the universe. We get to take communion together. We get to love each other in a powerful way. That's the story of Christmas. It's that we are now a part of a family. So when we get bumped by Christmas, we see the smells, we hear things. Let's remember, something deeper, something deeper. We are a part of a wonderful, wonderful family. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. When the shepherds, the angels came to the shepherds and said, Behold, look, look, look deeper. Something great is happening. We need to look deeper. After my mother-in-law ran down the hall yelling, he's here, he's here, the doctor handed me Adam, and I hadn't fainted yet, but I cut the cord, and um, as I looked at him, I almost passed out because his head wasn't normal. (laughs) This is, uh, the second service will be better, I'm sure. (laughs) His head was about 10 inches long, thin, and I almost passed. I said, Doc. And Dr. Kim looked at me and said, Mr. Crane, the bones in the skull are, are very malleable. And he just went through a tough process of coming out of the birth canal. This is normal. He's going to be okay. <laughs> so I took a second look. And in a couple of days, his head was back to normal. It was great. A great relief. Uh, So at this Christmas, let's remember and let's not miss Christmas. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads and pray with me? For those of you who walk with Jesus, I want you to pray, God, help me not forget Christmas. Help me to remember I'm part of this wonderful family of God. 
And for those of you who have never yet decided to follow Christ, it's a great day to do it. It's a matter of saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't fix myself. I know Jesus died for my sins. I accept his gift into my life. I choose to follow Jesus. When you say that and believe it, you are a new creation. Everything is new. You want to pray that prayer after me? You can. Pray quietly. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus came and died for my sin. I accept his gift of eternal life. Make me a new person. I choose to follow Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, you are a new person. Come up and talk to me after. Go in the prayer room. We'd love to meet you. Now let me pray a blessing. Father, may you bless all of us who are here. May we who sit under this great music and the warmth of this room and the love of your spirit and the love of our friends around us never forget why you came to love us. Love us completely. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.